Right. So welcome to the weekend edition of Addition. I have a special guest today. Uh, her name is Jasmine, and she is a software engineer at IBM. And she has a very interesting path on how she got into tech. And she's also being very smart and savvy on how she's navigating tech. So Jasmine, I, I know I gave you a brief introduction, okay. but please introduce yourself. Hi, so I am Jasmine Hurd. So I've been at IBM for a few years. I've been in quite a few different roles as an engineer. So firmware, um, kind of a back-end role. And right now I'm in performance, um, so which is very new, but very nice. Um, is there anything else you'd like to know? <laughs> I don't want to mess this up for you. Oh, no, you're fine. So, okay. um, so what is your current role? So you've been at IBM how many years? So th right at three years. Okay, congrats. And um, your current position, what are you working on right now? So I am a performance analyst in my current position. So transitioning out of the software space. Uh, performance is something I wanted to do to be working directly with clients, directly with customers. So we are kind of the last step before they buy products from us to know like what they're going to get and how fast their new products are going to work. And if they even need to upgrade, our job is to convince them to upgrade. Um, right. So lots of benchmark testing, um, kind of lots of testing. Got it. So, so is this a shift in a role since the last time we spoke? It is. So this is a shift in a role since the last time we spoke. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we'll get to this. So let's okay. go back and share your story of how you first got into tech in the first place. Yeah. So I think um, kind of like the same as other people with non-traditional roles in tech. Um, I came in, I was tried the four-year degree plan, um, ended up leaving my second year of college, um, did all kinds of various roles. Um, I ended up finding a not an apprenticeship, but a coding boot camp, which right now there's so many on the market. Universities are coming out with their own boot camps and like 10-week programs, 12-week programs, 26-week programs. Um, I was lucky enough to find one that was free, a nonprofit. Uh, from there, I just kind of played the numbers game and applied, applied, applied. Um, someone eventually gave me a chance as a QA engineer at a fintech company. That didn't last very long. Um, I ended up leaving and eventually got an apprenticeship at IBM where I was hired on full-time. Wow. Okay. So That's, I have uh, a question story. about the boot camp. Yeah. So yeah, boot camps, I, well, one, I see them as great alternatives to college is, you know, assuming it's the right one. Yeah. How did you find a nonprofit boot camp and can you share the name? Is it still in existence? Yes, yes it is still in existence. Um, so it is mainly in the Midwest. And also, I think they have one uh, cohort that's in Northwest Arkansas. So they're trying to transition to West Coast, East Coast. Uh, the name of it is Launch Code. Um, so it was endorsed by Barack Obama when he was in office. Um, so something that's well known in the Midwest that um, there's really not too much of. Like right now, people are charging thousands of dollars for these boot camps. Uh, they'll even take a portion, a, a huge portion of your paycheck for the first one or two years that you, you know, mm -hmm. after you graduate. Uh, so 
Launch Code, if you are in the Midwest, if you are not in the Midwest, you are thinking about moving to the Midwest, um, you should do it. Got it. So I know you are not living in the in the Midwest. Yes, now. yes, I'm no longer so, in the Midwest. So, yeah, right. So you're saying you there's you can't virtually attend Launch oh, Code. Actually, I think due to everything that has happened, I think that it is remote at this point. I'm not sure if it'll be back in person eventually, but right now they are remote. So there's no reason not to sign up and, and try your best to get in. Right. Absolutely. Okay. So thank you for sharing that with the audience. Okay. So you mentioned you left two years in to college. Yeah. What was your major and what made you think I'm just going to leave and go to this boot camp? Yeah. So my major was, I think it was a bachelor of arts in information science, something like that. Um, I don't even think I made it to like the real like nitty gritty like of my degree um so I didn't initially I kind of was like lost and was kind of trying all the kinds of different career paths um so like I was a flight attendant I was a pharmacy technician um I was in hospitality I worked at hotels uh and most jobs are most jobs are trash like yeah. Tech is <laughs> tech is a great career path. Um, yes. There's so much freedom. There's so many like things that you could do in tech that doesn't have to be technical. Uh, so it was just like thinking about what I'm going to do with my life. And this boot camp was in the area. I took the you know step to apply for it and got in and you know made a career. Yeah, I'm glad you called out that most jobs are trash because when, when I get in my bubble of talking mm -hmm. with other tech people, all we do is complain about working in tech. Oh yeah. When, <laughs> yeah. We have it much better than most people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Tech is a great place to work. And Jasmine, do you want to share like your, from your perspective, what, what is so great about working in tech? Yeah. Um, I would say as much as I complain about my current job, which I do. I think we all should just help things get better. Um, I was able to take three months off the last month, the last, so what was it? November, December, January, I did not work at all um, just for a mental health break, just because I could. And then I went back to work, like went right back into my career. That's not something that, you know, any other or most other careers will let you do. Um, you can leave, but you'll have to find a different job somewhere else. Absolutely. So the freedom, um, the ability to make a ton of money if you continue at it, even you know, just getting out of college or boot camp, there's there's money to be made. Right. And when you say a ton of money, what what would someone who let's say they had followed your same path two years yeah. of college, they went to a boot camp what would this what's a range of a starting engineer salary yeah so i would say talk to people um when i so that's why i'm doing this when i mm -hmm. first got out of boot camp and started to apply to jobs i was just like i'll take anything just just give me a job and that is such the wrong mindset to have like you are valuable um so i would say depending on where you're located like there's no reason you shouldn't be making six figures um and that's maybe, right camp. yes yes yeah. definitely you know ask for I your worth don't be yeah don't be afraid that they're gonna rescind an offer or you know 
not or say, yo, never mind, we'll go to the next person. Like you're definitely worth six figures, you know, low six figures starting off and you can make even more. Yeah. I talk about this with, you know, people who are younger than me, because Mm -hmm. I know growing up, we thought six figures was you know, the, the ultimate, like that was right. the end and, goal. If, six after figures. you make a hundred thousand, like, what do you do now? Like, right. Six, six, <laughs> yeah. Six figures just meant a hundred thousand. Like exactly. as long as yeah. you like hit a hundred thousand, it's like, all right, everything's great. But that has changed now. That's the entry starting salary for tech. Would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so if there's you're in some of these, if you're in some of these high cost of living areas, you, you might need 150. I mean, it really like take a look at what other people are making. Like if you're if you have a boot camp background and you're doing the same job as someone else, you have the same skills as someone else, you should be paid the same. So yeah, that's it. Exactly. Um, okay, so now that we got the yes. a, a little bit, we got to hear about your story. Let's talk about your, let's talk, talk about that first role as a QA engineer at a fintech company. Why did it not last long? And how did you go about that decision to leave? Yeah. So when I say it didn't last long, I mean, it lasted like three weeks. Um, (laughs) Like I I was in and I was out. I had something on my resume and I I got something a little bit better. Um, But I still made a, a great connection there. Someone that she started her career at IBM and she you know, I think she might be retired now, but she has a long, great career at major companies. And so I think that's what got me interested in joining IBM in the first place is because I met her. Um, But it was just a small company. It was a startup. They didn't have much, they didn't have many resources to work with someone that was new, that was, you know, that wanted to learn a lot. Um, It just wasn't the right fit for me. And I I could tell pretty much the first day that it wasn't going to work. Mm-hmm. got it and did you have you know so jasmine and i know each other mm-hmm. so she knows i'm like yeah, a yeah. personal finance nerd so how did you survive because there are certain jobs where i would have loved to have left within the first three weeks i'm not naming yeah. any names but i you know I, I didn't have the financial security to just leave a job so how were you able to leave Absolutely. I got a job before I left that job. So um, as soon as I got that job on my resume, like, like people were after me, like, it was like, oh, okay, she's a working professional now. She's no longer an aspiring engineer, even though she's been at this company for a week. And I'm right. pretty sure I was <laughs> pretty sure I was honest with the recruiter. Like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just at a boot camp. I just started this job, but I'm interested in this opportunity. And they said, okay, we don't care. Um, yeah. And they hired me. And I, I think um, when I say like I was being paid low, low, I, I'm pretty sure I was being paid like 30000 And after two weeks or three weeks, I got a job making $55,000. Um, That's it, insane. It, it, was, it was pretty bad. Yeah. Do you think that was just because you weren't aware of what the market was paying? Or do you think, and what year was this where you were, when you graduated, uh, so was 2018. Hired. So it's not like long, long ago, but um, pretty sure everyone at that company, that startup was severely underpaid aside for like one or two people. Um, people are being paid in equity in the hopes that one day this, this company would be something major. 
and it still is not so yeah we should definitely talk about that um I just recorded today's episode um about you know just going through what's going on in the job market for tech employees and how startups you know you know how to make a choice choosing your next company because especially startups you know equity is not guaranteed and for sure you know in a recession you're going to wish you had more a better salary I will say in 2018, I, my salary was $55,000 a year, okay, so yeah. not that often, but I also wasn't a bootcamp trained software engineer. I do yeah, think yeah. inflation and cost of living has gone up significantly since then I, I um, think so as well. Right. But 30,000 for a QA engineer, that is definitely way too low. So, <laughs> okay. So now that you have, so you left the fintech company and you're at IBM and mm-hmm. your first role was what? So I was, uh, so I came in as an apprentice. So um, I was in the firmware department. So working like there's the very low level machine code and then we're like one step up. So kind of the, the connection between software and hardware is what I was doing. So can you talk a little bit about this apprentice program at IBM? Is this something they're still doing? Who would be a good candidate for it? Yeah, so they are still doing it, absolutely. Um, Anyone that has any interest in coding, um, a lot of the people that I was in my uh, apprenticeship cohort with, they also came from boot camps or they had gone to, you know, a university for something totally not tech related, maybe like, um, I don't know what he went to school for, but I don't I don't want to lie on him. But, you know, something that's outside of tech, but you want to get into tech. Uh, someone else had been a nanny and they were in the apprenticeship program and got hired on full time. Really, anyone who is driven, who is, you know, able to kind of charm your way into an interview, through the interview process. And then then the apprenticeship program is basically a one year long interview. Most people get hired on full-time, but not everyone does. Like you really have to be, I don't want to say like, uh, like not extra, but you, you, they really want you to excel and like learn really quickly. And you have your apprenticeship duties to do, but then your team also sees you as a member of the team. As soon as you get there, like they're going to be giving you work. So a lot of times you're going to be working on the weekends, working at night, uh, just anything you can do to get hired full-time is, is what you're going to need to do. Got it. So do would you recommend someone doing that program now? I mean, it sounds yeah like a great opportunity, but the workout work life balance sounds yeah. terrible. Like <laughs> the, I the work I don't life balance is that. rough. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't want to do that any I don't know how like I don't know how I survived like boot camp. I was working two jobs and going to community college and going to boot camp. And then straight out of that, I was doing this apprenticeship program and working. I don't know. When you need to do it, you can, but I wouldn't say do it long-term for sure. Um, but I, I think it's been worth it. Um, I think the projection like of my career is great. I see a lot of potential. Um, having like a major company on my resume is, you know, is really invaluable. Absolutely. Um, there's, I read an article about the power of co-branding and, mm-hmm. and you kind of touched on this about the interviewing for the apprentice program, how you need to charm your interviewers. Like so yeah. much of getting these tech jobs has nothing to do with your actual skill set. 
It's about how can you communicate and relate to people? Are you conveying status with either by the names on your resume or, you know, you talked about just being hired in a company and being there for two weeks made you way more attractive as a candidate. So what other things that aren't, aren't obvious, would you say people who are looking for a job in tech, what, what should they be focusing on that people aren't really talking about? I, I think it's still the same now as it was when I was applying in 2018. Like it's, it's a numbers game. Like you're going to get a ton of rejections and you just got to keep doing the numbers, um, making connections. Like there's these um, support groups for black software engineers, join them. There are so many people that want to see you succeed. Maybe, you know, I don't have engineers like in my everyday life at home or people that I know, but on the internet, get on the internet, be visible, don't be anonymous, just start talking to people. Like you really need to talk to people to get a job, to get a big job that pays the big bucks. Absolutely, networking, networking, networking. Yeah. So Jasmine and I actually met through social media networking. Through networking, yeah. Um, I got my Microsoft position through social media networking. And I now that I've seen the power of networking, I have started this podcast to network with people who I may never meet. I have a meetup group for professional women networking. Like okay. what 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 ways are you staying in touch with your network? And what do you have any specific networks that you want to mention as being a good resource? Absolutely. So I am new from Discord. Oh, I'm sorry to touch the mic. Um, but since I've been on Discord, I'm in a group called Algorithm, like, you know, Rhythm um, okay, for, for, for Black engineers. Um, I've been doing study sessions and just like learning things that maybe are not covered in a boot camp from um, ex-Google engineers, ex-Facebook engineers, just people that work at Airbnb, giving financial tips, just people that are willing to, to share their success and, um, you know, give back to their community. Um, there's also a program, it's called Brilliant Black Minds, been able to meet some people and, you know, form a meetup session with them a few times a week, um, just kind of doing like technical interviews, making sure we're staying up to date with what's going on in tech and, and just being out there. Yeah. Okay. I will definitely add those resources to the show sure. notes. And I have links for you. So everyone yes. should know. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So going back to um, your apprenticeship, so after you finished the apprenticeship, well, how did you navigate getting a job offer out of the apprenticeship? Yeah, um, just being good at everything. Um, like, like you really had like, you know, there are people that um, did not get hired and it's kind of scary. It's like we devote a, a year of our life to this to, to get a job out of it. But like really, like you have to stay on top of it. I had several mentors. I joined um, honestly, like meeting black people wherever you go as a black person is so necessary. So I joined a group of other black engineers at IBM. Um, our vice president in our uh, org is very involved. So getting to meet him, getting to know him, um, like going to lunch with my manager, like talking to my manager, making sure he knew that I was, you know, serious about this and could actually do the job like just things like that just outside of the technical stuff just meeting people yeah absolutely 
and since not everyone that listens to the show is black yes can you share not why yeah can you share why it it is important for you to connect with other black employees at IBM and why yeah because someone who isn't black will be like well why is that why can't you just connect mm-hmm. with everybody yeah um so I think someone just shared the numbers in one of the the groups I mentioned um at Google, like Google has like a 2% rate of, you know, black engineers there. Um, IBM doesn't share their numbers, but there's not many, like the situations that I might be in as a black woman, someone else might not be in. Um, I don't know if I should share this, but I will since whatever. Um, I think, uh, I don't know what it was, but right after I joined, I was just talking about my background and you know, how I worked for a fintech company for two weeks, but still, and uh, for a cloud company. And I was at IBM and someone was like, well, maybe it's the black woman thing that helps you out. So like different wow. microaggressions that, yeah. So just finding people that have experiences like me that can help me navigate through um, th- this career choice that I've made. There's not that many black people here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that's a great strategy. I say it's like I do my best to connect with everybody, but there's always going to be more of a comfort level when I connect with other, whether it's other black people or black women over black men or you know women in general versus men in general. I think it's just normal for us to, as people to feel more comfortable with people who we have more in common with. Sure. Um, if you're, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, you know, if you are always seeing yourself when you walk into a room, you never feel like the outsider. Um, there are just some things that you don't pick up on that, you know, a black woman might probably will. Right. Exactly. And I, I will, I do want to ask your thoughts on this. So I had a career mm-hmm. coach. I was working with a career coach. January through March. And one of the things that she shared in one of the sessions was that in order to be moved up and to be promoted, you need a white male advocate. And she shared this to a group of 24 black women, you know, maybe one white woman. Uh, So, you know, she knew what she was saying was controversial, but she honestly believed it to be true. What are your thoughts on that? It's true. You like you have to have someone in power that usually is a white male that is going to tell people that it's going to make sure people take you seriously because uh, there's so many unconscious biases that like we go through that you know maybe we are you know maybe we got where we are just because we're a, a, a tick like we we tick the both minorities we're a woman and we're a, a, a black person so um, you know someone that is taken seriously wherever they go it's it's necessary unfortunately yeah it it really does make a huge difference um yeah okay so going back to your IBM journey so you basically were perfect in your program <laughs> much, yeah. which, which meant working nights working weekends and this is important for people to hear like yeah. don't think that you're gonna work casually nine to five and have an hour lunch and get this a job out of the apprentice program like yeah you know it's what you're saying is what people need to hear it's you actually need to do the most 
So did you, were you matched with a team or did you get to choose which team you were going to join? Yeah. So during the apprenticeship, I was matched with the team and matched with like, um, with a, a mentor. Um, and that was supposed to be the team that I trained on. Uh, I was training with someone that was going to retire. And so he needed someone to fill his position. I was fine with it. I didn't really feel like it was that valuable for the rest of my career. So like, as soon as I got, got hired on full time, I was like, I sat down with my manager who I had a good relationship with and was like, you know, I, I need something else. So that's where the back end Java team came in. And I kind of did a 50 50 split. So I still had the duties of the person that had retired and I was doing something that I felt like would benefit my career in the long term. Okay. So I'm confused. How is someone who's retiring, I'm assuming yeah. this person has been an engineer yeah. for decades. How, how is this person passing on their role to an apprentice? Yeah, that was rough. So he, this person, his duties were split between like three people when he left. He had like 30 years of information that was just going to leave. Um, yeah, I worked with him. I, he lived in a, he worked in a different city. So I had to travel to meet him and train with him as much as I could um, before he left. Um, and I said the same thing too. Like, how am I supposed to do his job when he is like, like I had to, if there was a problem, I had to search to find the, the solution to the problem. And he would just know because he's done it 50 times or over his career. But yeah, it was it was intense because of that too. Because it's just like, well, how am I supposed to do this? Um, I had the same question. But it sounds like you did it. I did it. Yeah, you did it. So talk about it. Like, I mean, there's no better feeling than being given a task, feeling super overwhelmed by it, and then crushing it. Would you say yeah. is that that what happened with you? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, like it's just like. And he was, he was a good guy. He was open and he was understanding that like, yeah, like you're not going to get everything right. But my goal was to get everything right. And, you know, he was doing like, um, like sessions with my manager and tell my manager, like how I was doing. And my manager would come back to me with the feedback saying like, yeah, he says you're really smart and you're doing a great job. So just keep doing what you're doing. It's like, okay, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing, which is the most. And I got the job. Okay. So how long did you stay in this role? So I think this was, this was two. So I did that role pretty much like maybe it was like a 75% for a year, then went down to like 50% for another year. And then I've been in, finally got, I pushed that off to someone else um, after I was gone for uh, the three months. And I'm in performance now. Got it. So I was going to ask how you were able to shift off of the project. It sounds like the only way you're yeah. able to do that was by taking leave. Yeah, by, by leaving, by running. Right. And let's can we let's talk about internal transfers because people love to yeah. say, "Oh, it's so easy to move around. Just get in the company, and you'll you know you'll get an in." Have you found it easy to transfer internally at a company like IBM? Um, so that's it's kind of tricky. So um, like within my organization, there are a ton of jobs um, 
that could be, you know, taken on really easily. But transitioning out of firmware was a little bit more difficult. Um, I had to use the help of, of the vice president that I had met through the one of the organizations I was in to kind of like push and try to get me into a client facing role in performance. So that was knowing him, that connection was valuable. Okay, so there you go. Networking helps yeah. again. And so I'm curious, what, what, what prompted you to be in a client-facing role? Because a lot of engineers like to avoid client-facing roles. Yeah, and I think that's where boot campers are really valuable because you get so many people from different, you know, different backgrounds and not just like, you know, a stereotypical engineer, um, someone who has like maybe better people skills, better soft skills. But I think like for my career, like, I have to push to be client facing because that is where the promotions are. That is where, you know, the raises are. That's, that's going to be the place that I need to be for the future of my career. Let's talk about that because so, and I'm assuming you're working with external clients right now. Yes. Right. But so would you say the same is with internal clients? Like, so I'm, I'm in a product manager. Mm -hmm. So the engineer that I work with as my partner would he be considered customer facing or client facing? Um, so the automation role that I was in, the clients that I had at that time were other engineers in my organization, and it just wasn't as valued. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you get it's great to get practice so that when you do go to client facing, like people can see, like, yeah, you can do this. But I think where the value is for the company, they want to see that you're making money from outside and bringing money in so right that's, that's what uh kind of prompted me like okay like how do I say that I worked on a project that brought in the, brought in this much money if it's internal yeah it's it's true it's so easy to track your impact mm-hmm. um one there's so I'm on a platform operations team which is like okay the most behind the scenes of behind the scenes right and someone on our team moved to sales and okay. people get are surprised, you know, because sales is customer facing. It's known as being a lot of work. Um, yeah. the, the income or the salary may not be consistent. Whereas, you know, he's, Oh, sorry. I'm just got okay. a call. <laughs> okay. um, apologies. I actually, I'm going to turn on my do not disturb. BRB. They renamed it to focus now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then I also need to text this person, let them know I'm recording. Sorry. I will okay, no problems. Take out. your time. Okay. All right, I am coming back on camera. Okay, so the last thing I had mentioned was that someone moved from a you know highly technical role to a sales role because it brings in revenue. Yeah, and that's what matters. Like we work for businesses, so um, 
I think as, as great as we are, we know that we're good. The numbers matter. Mm-hmm. So being able to quantify that and say you brought in X amount of dollars is, is what really matters to getting to the next level. So that being said, does it even matter? Like, does going <laughs> to a boot camp matter? Like, shouldn't we all just go into like sales programs if that's truly how or sales or, you know, customer mm-hmm. engineer or, you know, all of those different types of customer facing roles that have revenue attached yeah like is that the better career path than going down the traditional software development path and then i'm not even sure about that because on that side they're probably saying that they want to be engineers and then engineers are saying that they want to do something else it's it's hard it's just about like what fits what you want to do because at the end of the day there's still money to be made you're still going to have a great career yeah Okay, so now that you are in performance, how many months are you? It's been like one month. It's literally been since uh, February. So okay, so how are you? Or can you explain the role a little bit more, just so we can have an understanding of what your day to day is like, and pros and cons versus being an engineer? Yeah, so I am still learning the role. Honestly, I'm still being trained by. Um, some of the lead like performance analysts. Um, but basically like when, when your phone, your Apple says, oh, we've increased performance or we've increased the speed by like this much percentage or that much percentage, every company does it. Um, so that's where I am. Um, just working with a, a client the other day that was saying that they were having issues scaling. So things about scaling that I've had a lot of questions about, I'm learning about um, day-to-day, day-to-day, pretty different every day. Day-to-day, I just have meetings, meetings, and more meetings, and like a lot of training sessions, pretty much. And what kind of things do you talk about in these meetings? Or yeah, do, so, are the people on the call talking about? Yeah, so right now, we have a lot of retirees that are retiring early. So as far as performance goes, how to like stress test things, working in a language that I've never worked before, machine language, like assembly language, um, like literally down to the machine code, bite by bite. Like if we do this, will everything crash or are we able to scale up by this much or by that much? Um, Learning different languages that are very specific to this role or specific to IBM, IBM like proprietary languages that I didn't have to worry about um, while working in Java. Um, so that's a tough question. That's, that's one question that I need to get better with answering. Like, what do I do day to day? I don't know. I just, I log on and then I work whatever the work is. Yeah. That, that's something, I don't know why it's like that. For mm-hmm. tech jobs, It's so hard to explain what you actually do. I think like translating what we, I think I, we try to translate what we do into like, like layman's terms. And then there's also like things that we only do within our company that other tech companies won't know anything about. Um, It is hard. It's hard to put in words. Yeah. So do you see yourself staying in this role for, or how long do you see yourself staying in a role like this? Still trying to figure that out. Maybe (laughs) I I like right now I've been kind of like hopping roles. Like every year that I'm here, I, I, I do something different. And so I don't know if, that's the type of person that I am or if something will stick or 
I'm sure managers are going to get tired of me um, bouncing around eventually. Um, I don't know. Only time will tell. Yeah, I would say people give grace for people in their first five years mm-hmm. in job hopping because they really don't like you can't expect someone to stay in the first job that they get hired to do. You know, we learn our strengths and weaknesses, our likes and dislikes. Um, so I think it's totally okay to you know, be thinking about an X role, what type of, so let's say you were going to change roles in another two Mm -hmm. years, what would you be interested in working on next? So like I said, I want to continue the client focus, but maybe, so I've been learning a lot about testing. So maybe not quite testing, maybe go back to Java development, but Java development on a certain product that is Hand it directly to customers, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, because what I was working on before was kind of, it was just like this monolith of like a mainframe, like a big machine. It wasn't really a product on the mainframe that someone used, something like that. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm I'm the same way. I'm using, mm-hmm. I'm building software for people that work at Microsoft. Mm-hmm. I would like to build software for customers. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Again, for the same reasons, I can credit more impact if I'm working on customer-facing software. For sure, yeah. absolutely. Um, what skills would you say are you building right now? Because there's always something to be learning in a role. Let's see, what am I working on right now? I am working on navigating a new team it is so hard like just like learning who is knowledgeable about this and who knows this and like if I do need to know something who do I go to it's like one of the major things like how like and then who was the product manager who are these people like one of the biggest things is who are the people that I work with and how do they like how do we all make this work together um that's something that like if you're joining a company, that's the first thing you need to know is like, what is your role? That's another thing. What is my role? What is your role? How does it make an impact? And who is everyone else? Yeah, I I love that because people focus way too much on technical skills when they're talking about tech jobs. It's like we are not working with computers. We're working with yeah. other human beings. Um, so you, like communication, especially in engineering, is so important and a re- establishing relationships, especially during this yeah. recession, potentially, like that's what we're going to be able to fall back on, not our ability to write C P C++ or something. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this has been such a great conversation. Okay, um, yeah. Is there anything that you would like to touch on that we didn't get to? Let's see. Um, I would say just persevere. This whole career is about perseverance. Like there is so much to know and so much that you don't know and so much to learn and you don't know everything. So keep, if you're trying to get into tech, keep applying, keep interviewing and just persevere. Absolutely. It really is all about grit. I agree. Yes. Yeah. And um, I, so I'm going to ask this for all the people who I do an interview with. So if you had to work in a FANG, if you had to pick a FANG company to work for, which one would it be? So FANG, 
and I'm not modifying it. I believe in fame. So can Facebook, I, Amazon. Can I, can I, I was going to choose something different. <laughs> right. I know. You can say that okay. after, but you still have okay. to choose a thing. So Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google. Okay. Netflix, because stocks price are real low right now, and I want to get in when it's low. Excellent and surprising question. Yeah. Okay. So what... So you have a company that you that is fang ish which one would you like fang ish yeah at? definitely airbnb the the new work from home policy i could see myself traveling for 3 months out of the year going to country to country um someone in the group that i mentioned they worked there and they shared their salary their first year salary was like $500,000 um so, so okay i'm sure that saying, was their total compensation yes their yes their total compensation not their okay. not their cash not their cash but they, I don't know the breakdown. They shared that too. I agree. Airbnb needs to be added to the thing, not just mm-hmm. because of salary. It's a thing. Right. It's thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I like to put Microsoft in there too. Um, but yeah, Airbnb is great. I, I talked about it last week, their new okay. remote work policy. So yeah. Um, all right. So how, if people want to connect with you, whether it's to ask questions or reach out for opportunities, how yeah. would you like them to reach you? I am totally open. Reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, I guess we could link my LinkedIn in the show notes. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, connect with me. I'm not scary. I'm, ask any questions you want to. Um, yeah, it's fine. Great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jasmine, for taking the time. I look forward to hearing the feedback from this episode. Thanks for being the first edition interview. Um, All right. So I'm going to stop the recording and definitely keep us posted on what you're up to next. All right. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Okay. Okay. So I'm stopping the recording.